Good morning. Welcome to First EC Church. I'm Pastor Jeff, and I'm very happy to see all of you, and thank you very much for all your concern, all your prayers. I know people have been asking me, how, are you feeling better? Hopefully you can see. I've I got a lot more, lot more life in me today. I feel much better. By Tuesday, I was feeling, feeling much better, but I did appreciate having Sunday to just just relax and, and get over it. If you're, um, if you're visiting with us for the first time, or if you haven't filled one of these out yet, um, we have little cards back on the back table. I'd love to have you fill out so that we know you're here and uh, we can have a little bit of, of um, just some contact information from you. Also have a few, a few announcements to go over. I'm not going to go into detail for too many of them, but I just want to make sure that you're aware of a few things. Um, first of all, it's not in the bulletin, but somebody's birthday is today. Is she smiling? Is she looking away? Is she? <laughs> so, and I got to tell you, Bill didn't tell me first. I, <laughs> he, he said, she told me not to tell you, <laughs> but he wasn't the first one. There were many others, and there was even a special request. So before we get started this morning, um, it has been requested by those who work closest with her that uh, we sing happy birthday. It's their fault. <laughs> Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Gloria, happy birthday to you. <laughs> yeah, that's okay, that's all right, happy birthday. <laughs> all right, some of the other things here, we want to um, make sure that you are aware the, the flowers that are gracing the pulpit this morning are in uh, memory of Margaret Wolfe, and that's Debbie McElwain's mother. Uh, also, we're, this, this Saturday, or excuse me, this Thursday, this Thursday is our Trunk or Treat event. So again, we encourage you, simplest design, whatever you can come up with, back of the, back of the car, just throw up the, the trunk and Put something there with a few signs that just bring, bring light to the world, bring some sort of message of Jesus and his love, God and his love. Um, candy, of course, we do want to give candy out. 
So if there's anyone who would be willing to donate, just drop the candy off in the kitchen. That would be very, very helpful. Um, we were also able to order, and I hope they get here. They're supposed to arrive on Tuesday. We ordered some small, very pocket-sized or very small, easy-to-carry New Testaments that we're going to give the, the kids as well. So they'll get candy, plus they'll get a real treat. And uh, hopefully, they'll, hopefully they'll take a look at it, and, and it'll be something they'll just kind of grab their attention. We'll, we'll count on the Holy Spirit to, to do something with the book, but we're going to make sure they get it in their hands on, on uh, Thursday as well. Also, coming up, you, we have that hayride and, and campfire and the corn maze at Rissers. There is a sign-up sheet. Please, please sign up if you're planning to come so that we kind of get an idea of how many to expect. And the last thing uh, that I want to bring to your attention, you've seen it in here, but I haven't really talked about it, the LCCM Benefit Dinner. There are two tables that are reserved for, for us. Anyone who wants to go, please talk to Gene. Um, there are tickets. They are free. Um, the, the tables are already reserved. So if you have any interest in going down, seeing what LCCM is about, hearing, hearing them tell us what, what's going on, um, I think it's going to be, a, be an informative and probably a, a very pleasant and enjoyable evening with a meal. So, um, you know, EC stands for eats, eats constantly, right? So we, we, enjoy, we enjoy meals. So if you're interested, please talk to, talk to Gene about that. Um, I, think that's, I think that's all I wanted to bring to your attention. Those are the kind of some of the new things we haven't talked about before. Anything else that anybody wants to make sure the, the group knows about? Did we mention it's your birthday? Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, let's, let's pause for a second here then and... Uh, Let's just prepare ourselves for, for worship. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the days we receive. Thank you for the opportunity to, to just, um, just kind of enjoy the celebration of, of how those days have gone and, and our, our yearly celebrations of our birthday. Father, we're here this morning to worship you. We're here now to, to turn our focus to you to lift up our praises to you, and to hear from you. And so, Father, I pray that everything that we do here this morning would be to your honor and to your glory. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, For our call to worship, I have chosen Psalm 98, and I'm looking at verses 4 through 6. And the first word is shout. So when you're singing this morning, sing it out loud, okay? Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song. I mean, you hear this shout to the Lord, burst into jubilant song. So go sing your sing these praises this morning with that kind of spirit. It says, make music to the Lord with the harp. We'll say violin. Um, with the with the harp, the violin, and the sound of singing with trumpets. We have that. And the blast of the ram's horn. We'll call that the saxophone, right? Yeah. Okay, we'll go with the saxophone. All right. So and, uh, and I've lost my place. <laughs> my page turned. So with trumpets and the blast of the ram's, ram's horn, shout for joy before the Lord the King. Okay. Join me. Let's stand. Let's, let's, sing. let's join in singing our praises to the Lord this morning. Good morning, everybody. We're going to do some because songs this morning. Just because. So all because of Jesus first. Sing loud with us. Yeah. 
giver of every breath I breathe, author of all eternity, giver of every perfect thing, do you be the glory, maker of heaven and of earth, no one can comprehend your words, king over all the It's all because of Jesus I'm alive It's all because of the blood of Jesus Christ Covers me and raises dead man's life It's all because of Jesus I'm alive I'm alive
because of your love.
to lift up prayer requests and praises? Is there um, anyone who has uh, anyone who has a special praise they'd like to share with with us from this week? Give us an example of how God was good for you this week. I mean, I know there's got to be thousands. Dave's got one. Yeah, I just want to give praise. Uh, Aaron was in the parade and, you know, all the band members as well. And it was just a wonderful time as a community to get together and, you know. Okay. Just yeah. praise. Yeah, praise the Lord. Amy had something up top there. Yeah, on Zoom from Marlene Groff, a praise that she got her pacemaker monitor. Excellent. Okay, wonderful. That's a That's a praise. Okay, just to bring everybody up to date, Max is finished with both chemo and radiation. Wonderful. He is now just having some kind of side effects. Uh, uh, we have to wait six weeks to see if it accomplished what it's supposed to. Okay. As for my son, he's home from the hospital. They said his heart is okay and his lungs are okay. And all the doctor said was it can be what they call silent reflux. Oh. Not acid reflux, yeah. but silent reflux. Okay. okay. It gives you the same symptoms as having a heart attack. Huh. That's all I know for now. Okay. Well, thank that's a- everyone for the prayers. Yeah, well, thank you for that update. Sounds like you have lots of, lots of good, uh, good news for us. Thank you. Any other praises, or do you want to go to prayer? Oh, we got a praise back I have here. A praise, okay. yes, just for family and our church family, and especially a few friends in here that have been really supportive of us, encouraging us through a difficult time. Okay. Yeah. Well, are there any prayer? Well, we have another praise back here. Well, this is a, kind of a combination. Okay. Uh, That'll be our segue then. Yeah. That's okay. Right. <laughs> Last evening, I received an email from Pastor Tim Chrisman, a uh, former pastor uh, here at First DC. I'm sure many of you remember him. And he wanted me to express his appreciation for the prayers and uh, cards that people have been sending him. And uh, he needs our continued prayer. It sounds like this week is going to be a pretty heavy treatment week. He's going to be at the hospital starting tomorrow for like five hours. And then the following day, he'll be admitted for, he said, about five days or so. So uh, throughout this coming week, uh, keep Pastor Tim in your prayers. Okay. Thank you. Any other prayer requests? Uh, Donna had a CAT scan and uh, Appreciate your prayer for it's for our lungs to check up on and make sure everything's okay. Okay. My son Grant asked me to lift up his friend Lottie in prayer. She's been a friend for a long time. She lives in a different state. But she was rollerblading, and a truck hit her. And she was lifelined to the hospital. And I haven't heard any news since then, but he requests all the prayers we can give. Her name, again, is Lottie. Okay, thank you.
<laughs> yeah, <clears throat> a friend of my nephew's passed away this weekend. His name is Dave C. Schultz. If you could keep him in your prayers and keep his family in your prayers as well, I'd really appreciate it. Thank you. Also from Marlene on Zoom, um, to keep Lois and Harold Groff in prayer, that Lois is still in hospital in the med center, and Harold was put in memory care uh, in a facility in Lidditz. So just prayers for them. Okay. Okay. Let's... um Let's go to the Lord in prayer then. Father, we know you are the ultimate provider, protector, Lord, and Father. We come to you now with these requests. You've heard, you've heard the specifics, but we pray, Lord, for... Uh, for Pastor Tim, and for Donna, and for Lottie, and for the family of Dave's friend named Dave, and also for Lois and, and Harold. Father, you know what's needed in each of those situations. The needs are probably way more even than just the, the things that we know about. So Father, I pray that you will comfort them and heal them provide comfort through friends and family and help us to know how we can be your hands and your feet in these situations. Father, we ask for your, your guidance in all that we do every day. We have people that are always crossing our paths and very often as they leave, we start to think about whether we should have done something differently. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will work in us in an even more stronger way to give us the confidence to do something now, to say something now, to think of ways that we can help now instead of as an afterthought. Father, we thank you for providing for us each week. We thank you for giving us our daily bread we give back a portion today as, as an offering, as an act of worship. And Father, we ask you to accept it and to bless it and to use it to further your kingdom and to further your church. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue worshiping by singing hymn number 321. And I'm going to ask you to stand. Stand to sing hymn 321, please.
Amen. You may be seated. One of the things that um, we don't have just yet is any kind of cable or satellite TV, and I'm not sure that I'm going to to get those. I'm perfectly fine at the moment with just the antenna and picking up the local stations and getting the football games, and that's about all I really need at the moment. Um, but one thing I do miss is the History Channel. Now, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with the History Channel. I enjoy watching some of the shows, but it was actually, History Channel actually came to one of my reenactments one time, and they wanted to record us, and they interviewed us, our, our unit, and so forth. And we gave them very good answers about heritage, and we have people in our unit who are related who have, um, who have relatives, have ancestors who actually fought and so forth. And they're, they're there for their honor and so forth. And we watched the show then that they put together, and it was something completely different where every Southerner who confe- is a Confederate reenactor is a crazy person who has blood out on their front doors. And it just, it was totally disrespectful to us. And so we, we didn't appreciate that. But I do enjoy watching sometimes um, some of their shows, some of their reality shows, um, particularly Curse of the uh, Curse of Oak Island. I don't know if anybody else is watching that. They f- they're looking for gold on this little island in Nova Scotia. Yeah, <laughs> and this thing has had my attention for years. And they keep they'll find the smallest little thing just when you're about to give up on them. They find something. And but anyhow, it's like season ten now. It's like ten years that I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. But anyhow. But some of these shows, the, the acting is terrible, I guess because they're not actors, they're real people, but you can tell how scripted it is, whether, it's, whether they're shooting alligators or making moonshine. The moonshine's the one that got, that got my attention for this morning. Um, now, I don't know this out of personal experience, but I'm told that the moonshiners, they can test the alcohol content of their brew just by shaking it. And, and what they do is they put the, uh, oh, no, wait a minute. I see some people shaking their heads. So, I don't know whether I want to ask if they have any kind of personal experience or not, but I guess they can confirm this story. You put the alcohol in the, in the jar, put a lid on it, shake it up, and then based on how big the bubbles are and how quickly or how slowly they pop, you can know just kind of just how, just how much alcohol is, is, in your, uh, is in your brew. What, they can test the proof of that alcohol. Well, our sermon this morning is called Testing the Spirits, but we're going to talk about something completely different than those kind of, those kind of spirits. I just wanted to throw that in as, a, as an enjoyable segue. Uh, this morning, John is going to have us testing some other kinds of spirits. We're still in 1 John. We're going through the letter of 1 of, uh, John, the book of First John, that was a letter that John wrote to his church. You know all about it, all the problems they were having. We're getting to a point where, and I remember when I got started, I had someone say to me, I don't know how you're going to spend, what was it, 10 weeks or 11 weeks on a, <laughs> I remember, <laughs> 10 or 11 weeks on a, on a letter, on a, a book this short. But it turns out, you notice he, he, doesn't, he doesn't waste a lot of words. He puts a lot of stuff in here. But we are getting to a point after today where he starts to kind of repeat himself. We'll, we'll deal with that going forward. But he's got a brand new, brand new thought for us this morning about how we can test the spirits. And I'm going to read it just because we're, we're, uh, we're going to look at six verses this morning. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Kind of a short passage. 
So I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be a headache for John this morning. I'm gonna read through the whole thing first and then go back and we'll do verse, verse by verse. But I just want you to hear, hear this part of the letter. He says, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God, and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world." They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So John's been discussing, if you remember through the letter, he's been discussing the assurance that we have since we have the Spirit of God in us. And we ended last week's sermon with his statement in verse 24 of chapter 3, where he says, We know it is by the Spirit he gave us. God has given us his Spirit. And John's been emphasizing this anointing in his church. His church stresses spiritual empowering. And it's important in those kinds of churches, and even today, to carefully weigh the claims of people who say that they are spiritually enlightened. When someone tells you that the Lord had given them a message that that he wants you to know, or if they say that the Spirit is leading them to tell you something or whatever, that's that's wonderful. Test it out. Make sure. Make sure. That's that's what he's saying here, that as as they claim to be spiritually enlightened, we need to weigh their claims. John's claim is based on the fact that there are two spirits active in the world, the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood, as he says in the last verse that we read. In other words, there's the spirit who comes from God, and there's the spirit that comes from the Antichrist. In his gospel, in the book of John, John records what Jesus says about the spirit who comes from God. He says, but when he, that spirit, The spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, the spirit will glorify Jesus, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. The point here is that the spirit of truth will always glorify Jesus. On the other hand, John tells us that the spirit of the Antichrist is welcomed by the world and that he sabotages the truth about Jesus. So John provides another set of tests that Christians can use to tell the difference. But first, he explains the problem. So how many of you remember having your parents tell you that you can't believe everything you hear? Did you ever hear that? Don't believe everything you hear. And that was even before we had to deal with biased, manipulative news reporting, right? 
I wish, <laughs> I wish there was one that I could listen to and know that they're just telling me the truth. He says, don't believe everything you hear. I, that was something that I told people, and I, and I don't know if I ever told you, but I was preaching before I started preaching. Here's what I mean by that. When I was reenacting, many of the times I would speak to the audiences. We would, we would demonstrate the cannon. I owned a cannon. Did you know that? I owned a cannon with the unit. We, we would fire the cannon. We would explain how it worked, all that sort of thing. But then there were people hanging around. They'd start asking questions about the war in general. By the war, the, It was the war of northern aggression. Um, I was a Confederate reenactor. So um, we would talk about how things went, and I would start telling them about Lincoln. And did you know this about Lincoln? Did you know that about Lincoln? I would tell them about things that happened with how the, the war got started and so forth. But I, was always, I would always end, and I had their, their look, and, you know, but I would always end by saying, but don't take my word for it. That's how you get where you got, you know. Don't take my word for it. Go look it up. And that's what John's telling them. Don't take, don't take their word for it. Don't just take them at face value. Make sure you test them. Look it up. Don't believe everything you hear. And so in verse 4, that's exactly, or excuse me, verse 1, chapter 4, that's exactly what he tells them. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. You can turn on the TV, and you can flip through several channels, and you can find evangelists, you can find preachers, you can find motivational speakers, you can find all kinds of people. And I'm not saying that any of them are bad. I'm not saying that all of them are bad. I, I don't know. You have to test them. If, if there are certain ones that you enjoy listening to, make sure you're paying attention to what they say. Make sure that you hear them glorifying Jesus. And that's what John's going to tell us about. I don't want to steal his thunder here, but we have plenty of opportunities to be testing these spirits. All through this letter, John's been letting us know that there's a division in his church, and it's all because of some false teachers. Now we find out that these are teachers who are claiming that their words are inspired by the Spirit of God. They're trying to play the God card to add credibility to what they're saying. Let's take a minute just to understand exactly what's happening here. I want to make sure we can appreciate the problem that's affecting this early church. Remember that we're not talking about an established institution like the synagogue that had been around for centuries and centuries and centuries. We're talking about this new movement. We're talking about isolated house churches throughout the Roman Empire. And this is way before they had anything like the Nicene Creed that could provide them with doctrinal guidance, something that they could just recite and remind themselves. They didn't have that yet at that time. Nobody owned a New Testament that they could carry around. They were living what was being recorded as what we know now as the New Testament. So they didn't have anything like that. At very best, the early Christians might have had a couple of random letters from the apostles. So this means that oral communication was vitally important. It was, it was essential. These house churches relied on representatives of their leaders to come and relay the information to them. Paul sent out Timothy and Silas to do that, and John sent out elders as his spokesmen. But there was a problem when these prophets or teachers would show up and claim authority that they didn't really have. This isn't just a problem for John and his church. We can find a lot of verses in the Bible from several different 
sources about watching out for false teachers. Jesus warned the apostles right off the bat that that they were going to have a problem. Matthew 7, verse 15, Jesus says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. You're going to like the way they look. They're going to look just like us. They're going to show up in a suit and tie and appeal to the older generation, or they might appeal to the younger generation with their V-neck T-shirts and skinny jeans and some nice sketchers. They look like one of us, but they're wolves. They're going to tear us apart. Matthew 24, verses 10 to 11, again, Jesus said, At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. When people start to have a division and start to hate, and, and all, that's, all that's there that they know, they love to have some kind of words of hope. You need to make sure that those words of hope are based on the right foundation. Later in Matthew, again, Jesus said, For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So he's saying there are going to be people who are coming along. They're not just going to be talking anymore. They're going to be actually doing things that are going to wow people. And it's just going to convince them based on, on that wow factor that this must be somebody I should listen to. Don't be deceived by how the message makes you feel or, or how impressive it is. So don't go by how they look. Don't go by how good they sound. Don't go, go by how, how wow their message is. Test the Spirit. Peter warned the church. Back in his letter, 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1, and 3, he said, 1 to 3, he says, But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. But they're going to come to us with these incredible stories. You got to be careful about who's speaking to you across that TV, who's speaking to you from a pulpit. I mean, it, it even includes me. Make sure you hear me glorifying Jesus in my messages. Paul warned Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, chapter, or verses 1 to 2. He says, The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. And he felt like it was important enough that in his second letter to Timothy, he says also, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. That's what you got to be careful about when you're watching those TV evangelists, when you're listening to speakers, when you're listening to a preacher, 
Is he just saying something that kind of makes you feel good and it, and it really kind of goes along with what you want to hear? Or is he speaking truth? Hopefully the, the two go, go together. You have to be careful. You must be diligent to examine every speaker and measure their message against the word of God. Is this speaker being led by the spirit of God or by the spirit of the Antichrist? Remember that the speaker is preaching, but it's the spirit that's teaching. Not only did Paul have to deal with false teachers, but he also had to deal with a case of identity theft. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses two verse 2, Paul writes, he tells them not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us. It got so bad that he had to sign his letters with recognizable markings just to prove that it wasn't a forgery. He ends, he ends this letter with, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, which is the distinguishing mark in all my letters. There were people out there trying to deceive Christians and trying to trick these churches, and that included John's church. So John wants to make sure his Christians are ready to test the message they hear, as well as the spirit that inspired it. So he introduces the first test. It's a theological test. What the prophets or teachers say about Jesus. And here's the test. In verses 2 Two through three. He says, This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. That's the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. As I said before, the Spirit of God always glorifies the Son of God. That's his job. We heard the quote from Jesus earlier. He, the Spirit, will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And in John chapter 15, verse 25, Jesus says, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father he will testify about me. So John's first test is based entirely on the speaker's view of Jesus Christ. He says, every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, they're from God. We saw that earlier in his letter how that Gnostic belief that Jesus wasn't really God in the flesh, that was causing all of the church's problems. There were some who didn't believe that Jesus was divinity, was God. There were others who believed that the Spirit was given to Jesus at his baptism, and then it was removed just before his crucifixion, and that's their way of, of getting their heads around how he can be God and human. But that just, none, of that was, none of that was correct. John's saying there are four very important things that we must believe. Number one, that Jesus, the Son of God, already existed as part of the Trinity, which means that he's 100% God, the fact that he already existed. And he kind of proves that by our number two point, the fact that Jesus came and came in the flesh. The fact that he says he came, not the fact that he was created at his birth. He already existed. He came 
And he came in the flesh as Jesus of Nazareth, making him 100% man. And we know that this is new math. This isn't, doesn't add up to us logically, but he is 100% God and 100% man. Number three, the third thing we have to believe, is that Jesus, the Son of God, the man of Nazareth, was indeed the Christ, the Messiah, the one they were expecting, and that he was the Christ all the time, not just for a little while during his, his lifetime. And then number four, we have to believe that we are to submit to Jesus Christ as our Lord. John sees this confession as central to Christian discipleship, and it takes all four elements James 2, verse 19 tells us, you believe that there is one God. Well, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Satan knows, point number one, that Jesus is God. Satan knows, point number two, that Jesus was a man. And Satan knows, point number three, that Jesus was the Christ. But Satan will not believe, number four, that he has to submit to Jesus as Lord. Test the Spirit. If the speaker won't acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, stop listening, walk the other direction. If Jesus, the man from Nazareth, wasn't our divine Lord, then his sacrifice on the cross would have no significance. If Jesus wasn't divine, we wouldn't have any reason to be confident that the Father was revealed to us from him. But John's looking for his followers to do more than to just know that it's true. Remember so far, John's been saying the, that the proof, the proof of love is action, the proof of faith is obedience. Today, John's saying the proof of the Spirit of God is confession. Confessing Jesus, acknowledging Jesus as Lord. He wants believers to embrace with their words and their hearts the truth of the Incarnation. Incarnation meaning God taking on flesh. At the heart of the gospel is a knowledge of Christ's identity and a personal acknowledgement of his lordship. As I stated earlier, even the demons recognized the truth of the incarnation, but they didn't confess Jesus' lordship. Behind the confession is a person, and it's to that person, Jesus Christ, that John demands our allegiance. To fail to recognize Christ's incarnation is to reflect the spirit of the Antichrist that lives in the world. Antichrist, remember, just means opposed to Christ. John viewed anyone who stood against Jesus Christ as working in league with the devil. In all five uses of the word Antichrist in John's letter, Denial of Jesus Christ is the Antichrist's number one interest. Then John quickly assures his readers that the Holy Spirit that's in each one of them and in each one of you is more powerful than the Spirit in the world. Verse 4 says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. There's a contemporary 
Christian group called Mercy Me. They have a song that puts lyrics to that biblical truth. Greater is the one living inside of me than he who is living in the world. So then John presents his second test. The second test is, how, is about the audience. How, how does the world receive this speaker's message? Verses 5 through 6 tell us, they, they are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. John's second test, as I said, has to do with with the audience. Who gets excited about this teaching? Where does it find its following? John refers to the world a lot. 24 times in this letter. And in some cases he sees the world as just a place of terrible unbelief. But remember, John also is the one who wrote the gospel that tells us that God loves this world and sent his son to save it. But John also sees the world as a place of genuine hostility to God. In fact, at the end of this letter, John says that the world is under the power of the evil one. So it comes as no surprise that if the false prophecies come from teachers with an ungodly spirit, then what they teach is going to be gladly received by the world. On the other hand, it's the response of the church that can test the truthfulness of the word from the Lord, because God's people know his voice, like sheep know the voice of their shepherd, and their collective judgment should be trusted. There's also a harmony between the Holy Spirit in the believer and the Holy Spirit in the prophet or the teacher or the speaker. When God's Spirit inspires a prophet, his people will discern God's truth. The same strategy is used by Paul. Looking back at his letter to Corinthians again, he says, Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. So you got to test the Spirit. Don't believe everything you hear. Like the song says, Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. We've heard that warning in lots of different ways. John warns us this morning, reminds us that there are lying spirits as well as the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit is easy to recognize through the confession that Jesus Christ did in fact come to this world and come to this world in the flesh. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth we find in it, and thank you for the assurance we find in it. Help us, Lord, to be able to discern what we hear. There are so many messages being thrown out out there, and there are so many ways to receive these messages, so many ways to to have these teachers easily spread their message across social media, across television, through magazines, printed material. Father, I pray that you will help every one of us carefully, 
carefully examine the spirit behind the message. Help us to recognize if that message is claiming the authority of you and claiming that Jesus is Lord. We pray it in his name. Amen. I ask you to stand and we'll conclude our worship service by singing hymn number 350. you and keep you. May he watch over you and protect you as you go forward with confidence into your week and the assurance that Jesus is your Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.